This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, May 26th. I'm Nyla Budu. Here's what we're watching today. The Texas gunman's online messages pose new questions for big tech. But first, today's one big thing, how parent reaction to the mass shooting in Ovalde could shift U.S. politics. We now have the names and photos of most of the victims murdered Tuesday at Robb Elementary School. The majority of those killed were around 10 years old. Parents around the country are dealing with the horrific news, and it's spurring some to action. We asked you, our listeners, if you're a parent, how are you coping? And might you become more politically engaged following this shooting? Hi, Nyla. My name is Stacy. I am an Army spouse and a mom of three. My youngest is a fourth grader, which is the age of the children who were killed and Immediately when I got up this morning, I reached out and found my local Moms Demand Action group and am planning on marching with them soon. Hello, Nyla. This is Don Payne calling from Houston, Texas. Well, as you can imagine, the shooting in Ovalde triggered a lot of memories since Christy, my daughter, was murdered through gun violence almost two years ago. One thing that I've done to cope is go through counseling. And as you know, the NRA conference takes place in downtown Houston this weekend. So I'm probably going to go down there. I don't know how I'm going to get involved, but I plan to get politically active and doing anything that I can do. This is Danielle from Salt Lake City, Utah. I have to admit that the idea of coping at this point has become quite abstract. I would like to say that I would become more active in politics, but truthfully, I've always been active in politics and I am losing faith in the politics of our time. Hi, Nyla. I am the Associate Deputy Comptroller in Erie County, New York, uh, where our county seat, Buffalo, was tragically assaulted by a white supremacist two weeks ago. I'm also uh, a public school board member and a mother of three children who all attend the same elementary school. I'm not sure we're coping, any of us, and the burnout I feel now is even more severe than the burnout I felt during peak COVID. I have always been politically active and will continue to be. It is sometimes hard to find the resolve But I hope everyone knows, everyone listening, that um, if you're feeling the same way, we all are. Axios congressional reporter Sophia Kai has been thinking about all of this. I asked her what this moment could mean for the political power of parents. What you're seeing is that parents are realizing that political decisions have really real effects on their day-to-day lives from access to vaccines 
to whether or not they can send their kids to school, to whether or not their kids in school will have to wear masks and when. And now you're seeing a similar spotlight on school shootings and all of these decisions are being made by their elected officials. It could be a moment where they they plug in and people who may not have voted in the past or may not vote in midterms say, hey, look, I want my voice to be heard. I want to vote for lawmaker who could really pass some legislation that will change these day-to-day realities for me and my kids. Sophia, how much are we seeing politicians make their parenting part of their political platform? It's already happening in places like Georgia, where on Tuesday night, Lucy Macbeth won against another fellow member, Carolyn Bordeaux, in Georgia's 7th district. And Macbeth actually lost her son, tragically, to gun violence. And she has created a platform built around gun control advocacy. And whether or not people are engaged, we've already seen such very close races in these midterm elections. Even just having a few different people, more engaged or less engaged, could make a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, you hear a lot about suburban moms, and it's not just suburban moms. It's moms in metro centers. It's fathers. It's young parents. I mean, you're looking at, you know, for instance, a race in Texas right now that has that is so close that it's not been called yet. It's very likely that you may see, you know, the vote of, of parents moving the needle in, in some of these closer races to come. Axios' Sophia Kai. Thanks, Sophia. Thanks. In a moment, we're back with the gunman's online messages that preceded Tuesday's shooting. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. More details are starting to emerge about the 18-year-old shooter in Tuesday's massacre in Texas, including that he warned of his plans in online messages shortly before and during the attack. He's far from the first mass shooter to show his potential for violence online. So one question many people are asking today is, is there a way tech companies can better respond? Axios's tech and policy reporter Ashley Gold joins us now with the latest. Hi, Ashley. Hi, thanks for having me. What do we know about these messages so far? How it came up in the first place was that Governor Greg Abbott of Texas said during his press conference that the shooter had posted a series of messages on Facebook saying that he was going to shoot his grandmother, that he had shot his grandmother, and that he was going to shoot an elementary school. However, after Greg Abbott said that, Facebook spokesman Andy Stone quickly tweeted that 
the governor was mistaken and that these were messages that were conveyed via private messaging. They were not posted to his Facebook page. Then me, a lot of other reporters, we asked Facebook to elaborate. Where were these messages posted? Was it on Facebook Messenger? Was it on Instagram Messenger? Was it on WhatsApp? Was it not on Facebook entirely? Was he just texting? And that's an important distinction because WhatsApp, for example, is end-to-end encrypted. So what would that mean in terms of text's ability to know the content of those messages? It makes it a lot harder. Encrypted messages cannot be seen by people who are not involved in the conversation. They are meant for private conversations. WhatsApp and Signal are both end-to-end encrypted. And that's not to say there's absolutely no way to get into the messages. We know in the past that law enforcement has been able to see encrypted messages, but, you know, it just makes it a lot more off-limits. Is Facebook under any obligation to publicly disclose these things or just to cooperate with law enforcement? They are under no obligation to tell us these things. Um, Anything they tell us is is a courtesy of transparency. And especially while they are under cooperation with law enforcement, they can't tell us anything legally. I got a text from a listener almost immediately after news broke of the shooting. Molly in Colorado, who's a parent and school teacher, and she asked if big tech can predict everything about us based on our activity online, why can't they better predict people that will carry out these acts? And she said, as depressing as it is, this time we have many examples to use. And I have to say, Ashley, we talked about this last week with the Buffalo shooting. Absolutely. What's crazy is that after the fact, there's always a pattern of signals and signs that something was going to happen. And it's always baffling as to why it isn't stopped in the first place. I believe what you'll hear from experts in this space is that content moderation at scale, aka on a very big platform, is extremely difficult. Content moderation is only as good as the rules that the company has to enforce and how many people they have working on it. And it's this constantly evolving thing that keeps getting more challenging, especially as the country gets more polarized and people find communities online that can sort of support and idea that they saw somewhere, and then they just fall further and further down a hole of of believing something, and, and they have a community online that they found that supports it. Ashley Gold covers tech and policy for Axios from Washington, D.C. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. That's it for us today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Each week on the podcast, HBR IdeaCast, Harvard Business Review editors discuss the best business ideas with the world's leading minds in management. It's like getting an MBA by listening. Get Harvard Business Review's flagship podcast, HBR IdeaCast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.